You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, just a week after the last episode, and a mere few days away from Dragon Con. And if you can't tell, I am extremely excited today, not just because of Dragon Con, but also because I just finished editing together this interview with Calabrese, and it's awesome, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, I was going to put that thing together, let it sit for a little while, cut my intro and my outro later on, but I'm really stoked right now. I'm really pumped because it was a good interview and those guys were a lot of fun. So I'm going to go ahead and record this thing now. But before we get to that interview... I've got to talk about Dragon Con because this is going to be my biggest Dragon Con ever. Uh, because the fine folks over at the American Sci-Fi Classics track have decided that uh, they're going to give me a little bit of power. Give me a couple of panels. I've got some stuff going on and it's going to be awesome. So here now is my schedule as far as panels and stuff that I'm actually doing for Dragon Con Weekend. Uh, 1 o'clock p.m. in the Marriott room M303 and 304, my toy panel is happening. Uh, this is something that I kind of dreamed about, uh, giggled about, laughed about uh, last year. Uh, the missus made threats and jokes, and I actually had a couple of people say, Hey, man, you should do a toy panel. Guess what? I'm doing a toy panel. It's going to be amazing. I've got stuff to give away. Uh, Diamond Select Toys and Zach Oat in particular have sent some stuff down for me to bring to the panel, which is crazy and amazing, and what an awesome, awesome guy he is for doing that and helping out. The panel is called Kung Fu Grip, Action Figures and Toys from the 1970s to 1990s and beyond. Uh, Put it in your app, mark it down, be there. 1 o'clock p.m. in the Marriott on Saturday. After that, 3 o'clock p.m. at the Sheraton, uh, me and some of the DCW hooligans and possibly the lovely Guella DeVille will be performing the Sheraton Sandwich Run in which uh, myself and Mike Hall will be competing to see who can get a sandwich faster. More about that later. Uh, 10 o'clock that night uh, in the Sheraton Macon Room. The Earth Station Who podcast presents Past, Present, and Future of Doctor Who. It's going to be me, Director Faber, uh, and Mike Gordon are going to be sitting down recording a live ESW podcast right in front of you, the fine people and Phantomaniacs. Uh, then on Sunday, 5.30 p.m., Masters of the Universe, 30 Years of the Power, myself, my lovely co-host, Mr. Bo Brown, and William fucking stout are going to be talking masters of the universe in the past 30 years of the license william stout do you understand what's happening there william stout is going to be on my panel because this is another one that i'm running uh the crazy american sci-fi guys said hey phantom we're gonna let you run a couple of panels and this is one of them 
and William Stout. We're going to give him to you to talk to on the panel. If you don't know, William Stout is the guy that did the production design on the Dolph Lundgren Masters of the Universe movie. And if there's one thing that that movie got right... It's the production design. Uh, I, I can't believe we've got this guy on our panel. It's going to be fantastic, and I'm very thankful to Mr. Bo Brown for agreeing to help me out with that one uh, because he, he's got the knowledge, I've got the razzle-dazzle. Not that he, he's not equipped with his own razzle and dazzle, but uh, I, I definitely need his brain there. And then right after that one, it's 7 o'clock p.m. in the very same room, uh, the Marriott M303 and M304, uh, I will be on the G.I. Joe anniversary celebrating as half the battle. Uh, we're going to be talking about all things G.I. Joe. Uh, Bobby Nash, Gary Mitchell will be on that one with me, as well as our good friend and DCW hooligan, Noel. Uh, who is a very knowledgeable G.I. Joeophile himself. Uh, that one's going to be a lot of fun and awesome, and I get to relax a little bit and just run my mouth. I don't have to worry about running the panel because uh, I'm much better at running my mouth than at running anything else. Although, like I said, my panels are going to kick ass. I've got stuff to give away on both of them, on the, uh, on the toy panel and on the Masters of the Universe panel, uh, and it's going to be a really good time. I guarantee if you guys show up for that one, they're going to be great. Okay, more about Dragon Con. If you want to see my full schedule, know what I'm going to be doing, know what I think is the most important stuff to hit, be sure and check out NeedlessThingsSite.com. The past two weeks, I've been posting DragonCon stuff all day long. Next week, I'll be posting more. Uh, I hopefully will have a couple of podcasts uh, recorded live at DragonCon. We'll see how that goes. I have an interview request in. I don't want to say who it is yet in case it doesn't work out because I don't know. But uh, it's really awesome, and I'm really stoked about it. So we'll see how that works. Uh, anyway, Dragon Con coming up. I hope you're all pumped. Uh, that's as much intro as we really need, I think, considering this is kind of episode... Uh, it's, it's, it's two, two in a month I've, I've done here. I must be out of my mind, but I am out of my mind cause Dragon Con. So anyway, we're going to open things up right now with the very first song that I ever heard from Calibri's, uh, Midnight Spook Show. It's an amazing song. It's a great opener, uh, just a kick-ass song. I love it. And remember, before we go into the song, you can download this podcast from Stitcher. You can download it from iTunes. Uh, there are ways to hear it. But right now, here's Calibri's kicking in the door and screaming in your face. Dig it.
am here tonight with a very special treat, and I've got to say this is a this is a powerful group off of my short get list back when I first started doing the podcast. Uh, I've got here on the Needless Things podcast the brothers, as it were, the founding fathers of the young American mystic cult of horrors and the supernatural force known as Calabrese. Two-thirds of Calabrese are here with me, Jimmy and Bobby. Uh, Jimmy, how are you doing tonight? Hey, doing really good, Phantom. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you guys could be here. Bobby, how are you feeling? Super good. Super good. Awesome. We're going to cover uh, just a <laughs> just a few things tonight on the podcast. I've, I've got my, my list, as I always do, and we always start off with kind of a... Uh, everybody on the show has some kind of nerdy, geeky interest. Everybody, you know, that's why we're all here. Uh, uh, Bobby, what what are your what's what's your background? Where do you, what's your genre stuff of complete nerdiness? Yeah, yeah, any kind of you know horror, oh comics, movies, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it, it, this is a this is a sad, never ending hole. But I am a fan of uh, obviously comics. Comics are fun. Um, toys. You know, I don't like to say that out loud, but toys, yes. Oh, you're in the right um, place, believe me. <laughs> are any girls listening to this? No, um, no, don't worry about uh, that. Uh, Okay, good. <laughs> um, there's that. Um, big movie fan. Big movie. Uh, like to collect VHS if I can. Still fun. A lot of VHS horror movies. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's about it. That's and, funny. Uh, that that um, seems to be kind of VHS and vinyl both seem to be having this kind of resurgence lately. Like, that's a thing. Yeah, it is weird. I noticed that the vinyl um, thing is... I can't necessarily understand that. I mean, I think it's cool, you know, you, if you pick up a vinyl, you pick up our vinyl, um, and you, you know, put it in a nice case and you put it on the wall. It looks good. It's a little harder to, you know, bust out on an actual record player, but, you know, it's still cool. And with the VHS, I think it, that, that one was super nostalgia for me because um, I, I think I was talking with Jim or someone. We were talking about how, um, you know, most people, they see Evil Dead now, and it's like on Blu-ray, 1080p. You know, in their home, and they're like, "Oh, wow, it's super crisp and clear." But we're like, the only way, the only way to really see Evil Dead is on a crappy little TV on VHS in your room alone. And it's it just so. Then I just like to watch movies like that. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely something to be said for that because I mean, the last, the, the first time I saw Evil Dead, uh, well, I saw Evil Dead two before I ever saw the first one, and it was a you know crummy rental store copy that probably been sitting in there for a few years. And then every time I saw it after that, it was the crappy dub that I had made from that <laughs> crappy rental store copy with the lines going through it and everything else. Um, I, I, I think there is something to VHS and something to vinyl and there, there's something more organic about them. Uh, I guess less processing. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's just a, it's a completely different feel. And, and there's a little bit of nostalgia to it too, because I mean, that's, that's what I came up, you know, records and, and VHS were my first media, really. That's how my first music and my first video came to me. So it's interesting. But yeah, one, one of the girls that writes for my site, a uh, huge VHS collection, like it's ridiculous. She doesn't have shelves to hold it all. And, and that's like the first <laughs> I was really aware that people were going back and getting that stuff. Yeah, and I think it's yeah definitely about. I think it's definitely uh um you know uh what did you just say? Well, there, okay, side topic. There's I noticed there's <laughs> two different documentaries about the uh, VHS now coming out, like people who are collecting it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so those those look pretty awesome. I want to check those out. But I think it is nostalgia that's that's what's driving that. You know, it, you know the yeah because it's like. You know, th th that excitement of putting in the, the tape and wondering if it's going to play or just get mangled up in the gears, if it's ever going to come out, pop out, if 
um, you know, after you're done watching it. But well, and I'll tell you another thing is yeah, the yeah. the VHS box art is, is a whole different entity oh, yeah. from oh yeah. Like now the DVDs all have the group pictures, uh, you know, the group photographs of the cast of the movie or whatever. But VHS box art, and I've, I've actually talked about this before. That's a that's a magical thing, man. Like that's a whole other. Oh, yeah. uh, that's an art form unto itself. Here, here's oh, my yeah. theory. The because the movies now are all targeted to like PG thirteen. Sure. All the horror movies is like PG thirteen. But back in the day, it was R. It was about you know. That box, the artists who did those box arts, they they knew what their you know the target audience wanted. They wanted that you know that imagery and yeah, just yeah. to pull people in. And uh, I think that's why it kind of softened up to where it's you know PG thirteen, so it still has to you know all the softened images and, and edges around there. But yeah, yeah that's a that, that's a totally oh, solid man. point because you you would have you know back in the day half the horror movies in the video store had like some lurid girl with like scratches on her thighs and torn panties and her shirts all asunder, and now <laughs> you're never going to see a cover like that. That, that's no, just a, all, all of that blood and and gore and and sex has just been washed away from yeah. our media. You know, what, you know, what really grinds my gears. This, this <laughs> what does? grinds my gears? I'll tell you what. Kick-ass cover art. That's cool. On a VHS, you grow up with it. Oh, that's cool. And then, but then they, you know, it disappears off face of the earth. You know, and then finally gets put on DVD, and everyone's excited. Yay! And they put it out, and the cover art looks like total ass, and it doesn't even match anything. And the one I can think of is um, Monster Squad. No, not Monster Squad. Um, uh, the Gate, and um, they put it out on um, you know, it was it was really hard to find, and they finally put it out again on DVD, and it was just like this fake little kid that was not even in the movie, and then it's just really weird and like stupid, and you're like, what the hell? And then they did that with um, Near Dark. I don't know if you're. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they, they put it on. They did it a couple times on DVD, and then it looked fine, I guess, the original stuff. But then they started turning it into look like Twilight. You know, like they made their faces all white and kind of vaguely sparkly, and you're like, oh my god, that grinds my gears. I, I will original. say. That uh, that first release of Near Dark they did on DVD with just Bill Paxton's burned face on it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah buddy, that one nailed it. I was like, that's perfect. But you're right. Since Twilight, they've done some later releases, and they they don't capture the feel of Near Dark at all. Like, I can only imagine a Twilight fan being, oh, look at this vampire <laughs> movie, and then watching Near Dark. Like, hopefully, it would transform them. But you know, yes, yeah, it's like they found the one photo of them looking somber and sexy and then they plastered it on there like, what the f- that's not even in the movie probably. <laughs> right right how right are they, how, how do they catch him lovingly gazing off into the sky and like oh my god <laughs> yeah that's not these so people funny. at all um jimmy what, what are your uh what's your nerd background your interests what are you into Yes, yeah, so, so you know basically same with bob it's you know uh, uh you know horror nerd um comic books pulp pulpy fiction stuff you know uh richard layman those novels uh me and bob got into a you know a uh got deep <laughs> into uh richard layman and all his his craziness yeah, yeah there was a while there were um yeah just weird horror novels that really fueled the fire it was really nasty stuff but yeah and I, I love the uh also the the vintage monster toys and all the the, the old stuff and um uh yeah talking like the aurora so, model kits and stuff 
Oh yeah, actually, I've, I built the well, none of the Aurora stuff, but I've I built some of the polar lights reissues. Oh Those yeah, are yeah. awesome, and I and I've got a closet full of um, you know other model kits that I've never built. Don't have the time to do them all, but I just love <laughs> collecting them and just having them. One day I might have time to. <laughs> well, and that's another <laughs> item. But... That's another item where the box art is kind of a big part of it too. Like, yeah, you yeah. eventually oh, yeah. when you've got the time, you'll get around to putting the models together. But until you do, you've got this rad looking box hanging around. Yeah, yeah, definitely display worthy. Do you remember? Oh, do you remember the first time you bought a model, like a model kit, and had the kick-ass monster on it, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be kick-ass!" And you open it up, it's all you're like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> oh man, there's stuff to like do. a puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, sign up for this crap. Yeah, yeah. I, the the first thing I got like that, uh, they used. I don't know if they even still make them anymore, but. Uh, there was a company, I can't remember the name of the company, but they made these large vinyl statues uh, that you had to assemble and paint yourself. I mean, they're basically models, but they were really big and they were vinyl, probably like one-sixth scale. And, oh, yeah, that one that's like the mummy, yeah. Yeah, they've got a mummy, they had a Hellraiser one. Uh, I bought a Judge Dredd, not even realizing that it was going to be something that had, you know, not only I had to put together in paint, but actually still had pieces of flash that I had to cut off with an X-Acto knife, and like, I, I had no idea. I opened the box up, and I was just like, <laughs> no, what? I don't, this is, I don't do this. But it was, a, it was a heck of a learning process. But you know what? After a while, you get kind of jaded with all the, just collecting all the different monster toys and all the versions of Universal Monsters, so it's kind of cool to to have your own version of it to be like, you know, you can paint it and make it look like what you want it to look like. I don't know. No, you're totally right about that. Cause, um, I just got. That... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, because anyone can throw out, you know, five bucks and go buy a, you know, little, you know, some Remco uh, mini monster or something like that. But but to actually have something that you can, you know, take some artistic thrill in in making it. So. Yeah, I I just recently picked up uh, a new creature from the Black Lagoon uh, vinyl figure, and it's really nice. I dig it, and when I was reviewing it, though, I kind of looked at it, and I was like, you know, it would be really awesome to have one of these that was just blank that I could just paint myself. Like that, that was one of the first thoughts I had, just to to give it a little different detail or to just do some crazy thing on it. Like I, I've never gotten into the whole blank vinyl toy, paint your own thing deal. That's kind of a thing now. But uh, you're right. It's it's nice to to put your own touch on something and to know you had a hand in making that thing on your shelf, which is funny coming from a guy with yeah. a ton of pre-painted, pre-assembled toys sitting around. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, yeah. you got it's like once you yeah you got to take the obsession to the next level and start doing it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Which actually, that's an excellent segue because that's what you guys did uh, when you started the band. How what what were your what was the moment where you guys were like, we have to do this? It was a Halloween night. Of course. 2003. <laughs> <laughs> now, I remember we, we were just talking about, we were both in like different bands and uh, we'll just, we're just kind of sick of compromising with the kind of music we're playing. And cause I, all the music I liked and loved, I turned Bob onto and then, uh, same thing with Dave, but, uh, it, it was just an obvious thing that, like, hey, let's. It's one of those, like, duh. Why, why don't we form our own band and play music that we actually listen to and like? And was the formula when you guys started out? Is it pretty much exactly what it is now? Because one of the things that I love about you guys is the the first song that I heard from you, Midnight Spook Show, was was it? I think it was on the the first EP and the first album. I think <laughs> yeah, there were two correct. different versions of it. Yeah, yeah. And you guys have maintained uh, 
very solid sound since the beginning. Like, there's no album I can point to and be like, okay, that's the one where they're starting out and kind of figuring everything out and getting it together. You guys have had very consistent sound and quality since I first heard you. Has it has it been kind of just from the beginning? You knew what you wanted to do and you just nailed it out? Yeah, but all by uh, accident, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, uh, yeah, it just, we... Yeah, I, I wish I could kind of remember like how we actually wrote a song. I, it's kind of interesting to think about that. But um, we just, I mean, we just played covers until we kind of figured out how to write our own songs and um, and just let it go, let it evolve. I guess. Yeah, because Dave, <laughs> yeah, Dave never even played the drums when we started the band, so uh, that took a while to uh, to get him on board. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird though how how quickly he he learned to play the drums. I guess he had motivation, and us yelling at him probably helped too. <laughs> so yeah, luckily I guess our family's kind of musically inclined, so I guess he had it had it in him to to pick that up pretty quick. He had the touch. He had the power. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, how did you when you started making the music? Uh, what what kind of time frame was there between when you guys really for real sat down together and were like, okay, this is it, we're a band now, and you actually started playing gigs and you actually said, you know what, we can put an album together, we can start recording some songs. What what kind of time frame? Was there? At least a year or two of like just like learning the instruments and stuff like that before we actually played our first show. But once we did that and like we we made some like uh, four track recordings on uh, you know cassette tape um, uh, four track recorder put that out on mice no not mice but what was it back then yeah mice no mp3 dot com I think it was oh wow and uh, and we got good response and people were like digging what we're doing and we played a couple like shows tiny little local shows and people were were digging it and. Uh, there wasn't a point where, like, it seemed like from the beginning where, like, we thought of ourselves as a band. We never thought. I think once we figured out the band name, because it took us forever, like, everything cool was already taken <laughs> that we tried to come up with. And then right. we were staring at a poster of Danzig, and we're like, let's just call it Calabrese, our last name. <laughs> and it's kind of like as, as a joke, almost. Like, let's just do that. It'd be funny, you know, like Danzig does. And once we did that, it seemed like, I don't know, it was just... It was meant to be. I don't think we ever thought of ourselves as not a band. It always, it always was. I think. So Calabrese is legit. I didn't realize that you guys were just blessed with an awesome band name as a last name. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know if that was assumed or what. I um, I have a question. When you first heard that name, because a lot of most people think. I mean, we, there's kids that come up to us. They're like, "What does that mean?" You know, like, like is that like they have no idea that's a last name. And then, I guess if you've never heard it before, I mean, I don't know what you assume it is. I don't even know what half the people think it is out there. You know what I mean? I, when I first because I Dragon Con was where I first heard of you guys, and uh, was it 2009? I think. Uh, yeah. That was the first I heard of you guys, and I actually talked to you at the table, and you're very, very cool guys, and I saw Calabrese up on, and see, I had the benefit of seeing the banner and seeing you guys, so I already had the horror rock imagery surrounding the name, and I've always just thought of it, uh, Calabrese almost sounds like sort of a sinister cabaret, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> I, it, uh, but yeah, I, I, I I got the benefit of seeing you guys before I ever heard the name, so I, I kind of didn't have to formulate expectations. But I, I always thought ne- like it's just a just a badass sounding name. That's it. Our sixth album is going to be called Sinister Cabaret. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Done deal. Awesome. Um, 
So you you guys said you were in you were both in other bands before this. What what kind of stuff were you playing? What what uh what was going on there that you wanted to get away from? <laughs> um, I, I guess for me it was uh, just a lot of high school bands. Um, but you know, like when you when you first try to get into band, you just try to jump in as many as you can. You're like, oh, I got to find the right one. I mean, there was there was a band I'd try to be a part of that. You know, uh, from the moment on, I was like, I cannot be in this because they wanted to do like Sublime covers. I'm like, right, I'm out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and um, just, yeah, just kind of it was kind of weird. Like Jimmy was saying, you know, we to start our own band. It's like, okay, cool, we get to write our own songs and sing. So it was like. You know, you, when you when you're in a band and you're playing the bass, because I used to do bass and drums and all sorts of junk. And um, you know, halfway through, you're just like, I, I want to be the I want to be the guy up front. I want to be the guy singing. I want to be the guy who's writing the, the music. So I was like, I'm out. You got to do it. So thank God we started it ourselves. So. And Jimmy, what were you? Uh, what were you in? Same kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, I was in high school bands. Um, you know, playing back in the day, it would be like metal kind of stuff and uh then for a while i was in like a like a blues band for a little bit and uh then another type of um well i was like the lead singer of this one one band and i didn't have any say in any of the writing and anything like that i just wanted to be in a band so i was in with them and then and there's a bunch of incantations of that or incarnations of that and uh yeah it's just being in that situation was just kind of like ah it's just you know, just felt like you're selling yourself just to just to be on stage. You just wanted to be in a band so you'd, you'll do anything. So it felt like a relief. We're like, yeah, let's do something that we like. <laughs> but all of that had to in some way kind of help out and kind of build towards, you know, what what eventually happened. I mean, all the experience and everything. That oh, yeah, yeah. Wor- worthwhile, I guess, to a certain extent. Oh, definitely. It's like, for me, it seemed like everything that it had to happen to it, yeah, everything that did, and everyone you know, I played with, learned so much from everybody. And didn't want to come across as uh, you know down all the bands we played with, but uh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just trying to stress a point that you know, uh, but yeah, everyone you know at the time, everyone was cool and had you know learned a lot and you know and learned a lot of stuff uh, coming up, especially in the high school bands. Well, and I think that's an important thing is like no, no matter what anybody's doing now creatively, whatever's gone before, whether it was the perfect thing to be doing or not, it's all informed who you are now. Like yep. all of that stuff has, has made up what's happening now. So there, you know, you, you can't really say good or bad about any of it. It's just part of the final package. It's, it's all good stuff because it led to now. <laughs> yes. Um, Ooh, I like it. <laughs> now, you guys have a pretty notable stage show. Did that, was that a plan from the beginning or did you do some gigs and we're like, man, you know, let's get a little more theatrical or how, how did that come about? Um, as far I'll as the props. <laughs> the props, yes. We go long history with the props because we, um, when we first started, you know, we wanted to be, um, right off the bat, you know, we watch, um, Oh, we'd know about White Zombies stage show and we'd be like, oh my God, there's fireworks and there's giant monsters on stage and you see all that stuff and we we're like, we gotta do that. And of course, you know, we didn't really have fireworks on hand. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, at the time we, which is so weird to think that we, we brought, um, Jim made a compilation cassette, uh, VHS of all these horror movies, like all the best kills and weird things. And then we brought a little TV on stage and we 
we played it during the whole show and um and that was cool and, you know we brought like um, little tombstones and cobwebs and all this weird stuff which eventually turned into a total hassle but it was fun at the time but the funny thing is with the tv um we almost we almost had to ditch it because people liked it too much they would just be watching that instead of us <laughs> like, oh my god like, here look over here guys i'm singing look up here <laughs> oh, um, what, what, speaking of the the tv one time at the uh hard rock cafe we played and uh they, there were people eating and while we're, we're playing it, it was really weird but um they complained to the manager. They're like, "I'm I'm trying to eat here with my family, and this grotesque video is playing of <laughs> you know the horror movies of all the you know people getting killed and all that." <laughs> they came up. Oh, you guys have to turn that off. <laughs> okay, that's awesome to to kind of not even really be aware of like a, a oh wait a minute this is a different venue. There's different <laughs> different stuff going on here. That's, it's called the Hard Rock Cafe, man. It's called the Hard Rock Cafe. Right. Be prepared for anything there. That's I'm I'm actually <laughs> conscious of that because I I host uh, I, I think I mentioned it to you guys. I host uh Monster Wrestling here in Atlanta. And our typical show is a Friday night show in a smoky bar with, you know, liquor, whatever else. Uh, very adult oriented. We say whatever we want. <laughs> no real barriers on language or anything like that. Uh I think I drop F bombs pretty consistently throughout the night because when you start to lose that i i fall back on that old cheap trick of if you start to lose the crowd a little bit you drop an f-bomb and they're immediately back in the palm of your hand <laughs> um so tomorrow we're doing a matinee show all ages <laughs> and i'm gonna have to be very conscious throughout my whole act of which i've already got you know a bunch of sort of kid oriented things I'm, I'm planning on doing but it's gonna be tough you know if if things things happen or whatever you gotta be conscious <laughs> of, of who's out there and, and what all which is another thing uh i appreciate about you guys while the content of your songs can can be definitely supernatural and graphic and and creepy or whatever you guys do stay away from uh getting too blue as far as the language goes is that <laughs> is that a conscious decision or how, how did is, is that something you're even really that aware of not really it just kind of happened really it didn't it's not like we decided for or against doing that it's just never never had to do that i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah it seemed kind of um yeah yeah i don't know i guess um yeah i don't know i i it just never never wanted to swear. It, it, <laughs> yeah it seemed, it seemed to work it seems to work in our benefit because we had a lot of people that are like hey i can listen to this with the whole family and not you know uh in the car when other you know listen to other albums i'd have to turn it off whatever and i guess yeah, that that's exactly long run. that's exactly what we do uh calabrese is always part of our driving me every time because i've got a five-year-old son so we can play you guys stuff and it's fine uh, like we don't, i don't have to worry about oh man i forgot that word is on this album and uh, it's no good uh so it's it's cool yeah. and i've always kind of attributed it to whether it was conscious on you guys part or not i've always kind of thought well you you guys have kind of a classic horror vibe to you uh there, there's because there you know there's some other horror rock out there and some of it seems kind of 80s slasher themed. Some of it is, you know, maybe 70s style. You guys feel like kind of classic, uh, almost, I, I would maybe call you the hammer of horror rock. Kind of along God. those lines. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You know, I like that. The classic, uh, or classic, I like that. 
It, well, it is. I mean, it really is. You, you guys have a vibe that lends itself more to the, the tradition of horror than, than any of the recent. And don't get me wrong. I love slasher stuff. I, I even love the more recent, you know, like Saw and stuff like that. But uh, you guys definitely have a, a classic horror feel to you. Yeah, because we don't, when you say props and stuff of that, we really don't have blood and we don't, which a lot of bands do, and we don't have like makeup, eye makeup or anything like that, or, or face makeup. Uh, you know, we just... Uh, have our uniforms that we kind of stumbled upon and, and figured out that's what we felt comfortable wearing and thought it looked cool to be our own gang. And, uh, um, yeah, the, the, the new tour, actually, which is coming up, uh, it's our first national tour starting August 26th in New Mexico, and it's going to end October 9th in uh, Tennessee. And uh, we're going to try, uh, you know, try some different um, – crowd interaction kind of stuff and uh actually if you would come on uh on stage with us at the uh, dragon con and do uh you know do a little introduction for each of us that we kind of talked about um before the show i think that would be pretty awesome that would be fantastic i would love to do that because last time we you know we did it did our instructions ourselves wwf style with the music and all that but this time we wanted to pull someone off off the stage and introduce each of us so uh, oh, I can do that. Believe me, I I, I can handle <laughs> a uh, old school wrestling style introduction. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we, yeah, me and Bob, we used to, uh, you know, speaking of wrestling, we used to love watching WWF. And uh, actually, we came up with our own wrestling move called the Peanut Butter Crunch. And uh, <laughs> if you, you could imagine how that how that ends, it ends badly for the other guy. But uh. <laughs> doesn't sound like anything that would be fun to experience. <laughs> we, yeah, we what kind of? We I talked to a lot of guys. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say we learned all our moves from those those stupid pillow fighters or pillow wrestlers, or whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. WWE. Those yeah, were I, awesome. <laughs> I had an Ultimate Warrior one. Oh, you had the good one. I yeah, had, dude. You had Ted DiBiase. He's all right. Uh, DB. Oh, that's the thing. Is like when you're making something like that. Why are you making the guy who's really better at cutting promos? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny how many people I talk to that you know right. The WWF back in the day, 80s W, rock and wrestling, you know, Hulk Hogan, Ted DiBiase, Ultimate Warrior, all those guys were such an integral part of so many people's childhoods. I just, I mean, just about everybody, particularly when you're talking to genre people who are into like comics and science fiction and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, because at the time the wrestlers were portrayed more like superheroes. And I, and I think that's changed a whole lot. They, they haven't been able to hang on to their audience, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> suffice it to say, we all grew up in the age of Hulkamania, and oh, it was yeah. a different thing back then. Yeah. So, For the sure. new tour, not only, uh, is the new tour happening, but the new album is happening, which I, uh, the first couple of times that I saw the title of the album, uh, I think it was up on Facebook, I thought it was Burn with the Scorpion's Touch. <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, which is also kind of awesome. And then when I, I finally like actually, cause you know, you're on Facebook, you click through stuff, you're kind of like, oh, that's neat. Oh, that's neat. And I, I, when I went and pre-ordered it, which by the way, everybody okay. should go to calibreesrocks.com right now and pre-order Born with the Scorpion's uh, Touch. And, that's uh, right. Yeah, we, we got a, uh, you know, less than a hundred left and that's all those pre-orders have, um, alternate, uh, covers on them and, uh, had a couple different levels of packages. The, the shirt one got sold out, but there's a few of the uh, the patch and sticker and then just the straight-up CD. But uh, there's CalabreseRock.com or CalabreseStore.com. So that's CalabreseRock.com rock or rocks. CalabreseRock.com or CalabreseStore.com and uh, pre-order them right now. 
But yeah, the shirt's sold out. You can still get the one with the patch and the sticker or just the album by itself um, with the alternate cover. Yeah, buddy. And that one is, that's October 1st. Is that right for the release? Yeah, it's coming out um, October 1st. We have, um, yeah, we're doing the pre-orders now. We're doing getting it all going. And um, we will be on tour before then, so um, you can come to the show and probably pick that up as well before it actually gets released. And when it does, you can learn all the songs and you can sing along with us. All right. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of awesome. That's actually coming out while you guys are out touring. Uh, are you playing a good good amount of content off the new one? Yeah, actually we are. Um, usually, you know, you go to a show and then you always want to hear the old stuff. And then every time, the worst thing a band could ever say is, hey, we're playing a new song off a new album. And you're like, oh, crap. You know, time for <laughs> time for a bathroom break. You're like, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Let's go to the bar. But, um... But hopefully, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, hopefully, um, you know, with the lyric video out now and um, when it starts getting shipped out, people will um, listen to it and like it. <laughs> so when we say, hey, we have a new song off the new album, we're going to play it now, people will be like, yay, instead of nay. So hopefully <laughs> well, it's good. And and going along though with you guys consistent sound, I, I think any of the new songs, it's it's not gonna be like, Oh, what is this new? They sound like U two now. What is this nonsense? You know, it's not gonna be anything like that. It's uh it's it's still gonna be good stuff. And the first you guys can hear the first single right now, uh the title track, if you go to hang on, I gotta add Jimmy back into the call here. Uh, and Jimmy Calabrese uh, is back with us. What the hell? What was that? Conspiracy. Uh, yeah, the, apparently the mystic forces are aligning against this podcast tonight. The anti-rock and roll conspiracy strikes again. Let's see. Have we still got Bobby? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Okay, cool, cool. But, um, yeah, you guys can go to the site right now and check out the first single from the song, which I plan to have memorized by the time Dragon Con comes around, which is a total <laughs> right. lie because I don't memorize songs anymore at all. I don't, let me ask you if you guys have experienced this phenomenon at all. I, as I've gotten, I'm 37 years old, and in the last 10 or 15 years, I have stopped learning songs. Like when I was in high school and probably after high school, I knew all of them and I could sing along at shows and like it was nothing. And now if I want to memorize a song, I have to like study <laughs> and like make notes for myself. And what, what is up with that? Is that something you guys have dealt with at all? Uh, I think it, I think I said to do a free time. I think back in the day, you <laughs> didn't realize how much free time you had and how many times you listened to a song. But yeah, uh, that's a good point too. But speaking of that, the uh, but speaking of the the song on um, YouTube, we just uh, announced it. There's a Calabrese karaoke contest. So oh yeah, it's in your best interest to learn that at least fake it. Uh, yeah, starting uh, actually starting today until uh, August 24th is we're gonna end it, and we're gonna put up the best three on uh, Facebook and have uh, everyone uh, vote for the uh, for the winner. We got some pretty cool prizes like um, the bass covering, which I had for like seven years on my uh, front of the bass with the uh, the hula girl on there. That's coming down. We're gonna give it to the winner. We got a signed um, uh, signed and uh, written out lyrics for Born of the Scorpion Touch, a bunch of stuff we used in the studio. So it's uh, we got some pretty cool prizes. So hopefully people want to. Uh, Try it out and do their best karaoke of Calabrese, and and uh, should be pretty fun. I can't wait to see what people do. We got some pretty uh, creative fans and talented fans, so uh, should be pretty awesome. Now, who did the art on uh, on that cover? Uh, that was uh, Andrew Barr in uh, Canada. Basically, we took a photo and sent it to him, and he did his magic to make it look uh, kind of uh, you know pulpy. Because th this album has got more of kind of like a uh, a cult motorcycle. 
kind of uh, vibe to it. And that's what we're trying to go for. Yeah, that was definitely um, born with the, the the title track. Uh, born with the Scorpion's Touch was very uh, almost had not a rockabilly sound to it, but it, it was it was a little looser. Uh, it was a different vibe, I think, and and I could tell it was it was definitely. I, I'm dying to hear the rest of the album. I, I really want to know what you guys have done with this one because I think you had mentioned <laughs> I think you had mentioned while y'all were recording it that you you were kind of trying some different things out. Oh yeah, yeah. We we wanted to push ourselves this time and not make. Well, one thing we discovered, like all the other albums, we kind of all recorded each song at the same tempo. So we wanted to experiment with with different tempo changes and uh, with songs and just try to uh, push ourselves to do something more than than we've what we've done already. And we didn't want the fans to feel like, oh, here, here's another Calabrese album that sounds like the the past one. So um, yeah, we just made a conscious decision to you know. Uh, to take this album places we haven't gone before, but it's still awesome. It's still going to be, I think everyone's going to love it, because uh, I know we do. Uh, and that's got to be a fine line to walk, too, because when you know you've got a, an established sound that the people love, like, say, uh, like ACDC has never recorded a song that sounds different from ACDC, <laughs> uh, which I, there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's definitely, like, they're the best ACDC they can be. Uh, but there's got to be that temptation to, like, do something a little bit different, but also to still you know, please the people that, that know you, I guess. Yeah, I think, um, it seems like with most bands, like, they can, like, each album is just so unbelievably different than the last, and we, I think we try to do it each time, we're like, oh, or at least we write a song, I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna be so different, this is gonna be so unique, and then when people hear it, they're like, yeah, it just sounds like a Calibri song, oh, great, you know what I mean? I guess we, <laughs> might, we might be, I think we're moving at just such a slow pace of progression, and, and every other, other bands are just so quick to the you know, bam, new album, totally different. And we're like, whoa. You know, maybe we're just slow with it. But. I don't think that's a bad thing, though, because no, no. you guys are, this is going to be your fifth album. And, and I think, you know, you've got four albums of the Calibri's sound, and that's enough time to have built your solid, loyal fan base. That's enough time for people to be like, okay, these guys are awesome. Whatever they do, I'm in. You know, I'm going to check it out. I I, th- I think that's a, a solid time frame. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that's moving slow. I think that's moving smart. Yeah. Plus two. Um, yeah. it, also, this it's uh, one thing that uh, comforted me is you know talking to someone about this, and they're like, "Yeah, whatever you guys do, it's always going to sound like you guys singing and playing it, so it's not going to be too different." Which I don't I don't think it it is, but I mean, it's still us playing the instruments and us singing. So, but um, yeah, we had a lot of fun, and we. You know, experimented. It almost felt like we're the Beatles and they're doing something, experimenting. I'm, I'm sure it's not going to sound that that much different than we imagine it is, but uh, <laughs> uh, it was fun. Now, as far as touring, what what's your process? How, well, first of all, how do you decide? Aside from you know, oh, we've got okay, we've got new album coming out. How do you decide? Okay, it's time to hit the road, or it's time to do a slew of dates. What? How do you put that together? Well, we used to do it all ourselves. Bob used to have that burden on his shoulders, but now we just uh, we're taking things up a notch. We've we've got some uh, uh, a booking agent now we're working with and, and a manager, and uh, we're actually be doing a lot more touring this time around than what we've we've done previously. And we're just going to try to just push push the band as much as possible and, and do and play a lot more. Uh, basically, yeah, this this tour was is all around the new new album 
and uh, yeah, it's just all about just promoting whatever we're we're doing. That's how it's going to be. Uh, the the dates are going to be decided on. And with with Dragon Con, that's how, how did that first Dragon Con show come about? Because I mean, that's across the country for you guys. That's a that's got to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> so so how did that even become a, a thing? Uh, out of the blue, we got this email from uh, Billy, and he's like, "Hey, come! Well, we got this thing called Dragon Con. You should come out and play it." And uh, saw that email. We're like, "What Dragon Con? What the hell is that?" Ignored it. He like emailed again. Ignored his other email. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're finally uh, we're like, oh, okay, let's check it out. What is this Dragon Con? Holy cow! Look at that! It's a huge, huge event. And then you know, then talked to Billy about uh, playing, and uh, you know, it seemed like a last minute. We agreed to do it, and then we just drove out and did it, and it was uh, you know, blew us away. Never actually played any like large uh, convention like Dragon Con before. We've done some uh, you know smaller uh, horror conventions, but you know, like one hotel, like half of a hotel, you know kind of thing it's just mostly vendors and a couple shows but uh yeah dragon kind of just blew us away the first time we went out there yeah it's uh, it's it's massive uh, particularly compared to what well even since 2009 when you guys played last year could you tell sort of a difference or were you just kind of stuck in the hotel and like okay well we're gonna stick around here and sell our stuff and i mean were, were you able to get out and move around at all yeah i think um we uh the first time yeah we went man i thought it was almost so many people were so claustrophobic and like suffocating you're like oh my god this is like too intense so we went back um last year i think i was a little more we were a little more prepared so we were like okay we'll leave the table we'll find junk to buy and then you know so it was cool got to actually look around this time more than last time i, I at least for me well just, and you guys were in a little better spot last year yeah. also because that first year they had you in uh i think it was in the hyatt in that kind of smaller low ceiling <laughs> yeah. room in there whereas this last year was the marriott in the big atrium i think for last year or the the first time it was pretty cool because i think that was where the people initially came in like the entrance or something or there was the exit or something but people just it was actually a cool spot um <laughs> because people would just walk by it all day it was pretty cool and it was so the Marriott last year was uh it w- wasn't quite as trafficy didn't seem like oh, it, or were people it, just it, doing it was. other stuff it, it was it was definitely um trafficy i guess but uh yeah that's a terrible word but i don't know how else to say it <laughs> <laughs> no it was cool it was a good spot um yeah it was cool with all the bands all the other bands and it was by a bunch of vendors or like the vendor halls so that was kind of neat so at least we could wander off like when we got bored <laughs> And you guys were troopers too, because I mean, you were you were camping out there and going twenty four seven, and I, and I think battling through some con funk too, right? Hell yeah! <laughs> I think the first night we got there, I was um, I I, I don't, oh man, I don't know what was. I just felt not enough food or something, not enough water. I don't. I just felt nasty. But um, you know, by the end, of course, I felt great, and then we had to leave. So <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, that's that's totally how it works sometimes. Uh, so this year at Dragon Con, what night are you playing? We are so we're doing the uh, yeah we're doing the the Sunday night by Monday morning one thirty a.m. show at the uh, the Marriott okay uh, Marriott's atrium ballroom which is actually that's where we're gonna put the uh, the band tables again at the Marriott so it's gonna be in the same same room as that okay. and I guess from what I hear if it's correct we're gonna be up against uh, Crux Shadow at one thirty at that same time but I'm figuring our fans are probably not the same type of fans for uh crook shadow so yeah i think you'll you'll be your own draw for that that shouldn't be an issue at all 
I think the uh, the Crook Shadows devotees are, are a very specific sect. They're a big sect. <laughs> don't get me wrong, yeah. but they're uh, they're very specific. I, I don't think Calabrese will have any trouble drawing. Uh, I certainly know where I will be that night. Oh, you better so, be there, Shadows. It, <laughs> yeah, 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 don't worry. Introducing Crook uh, Shadows. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, how horrible would that be? Sorry, guys. Sorry, I'm late. I was just introducing Crook Shadows across the way. <laughs> no, you don't have to worry about that. Um, well, yeah, we're we're also doing a uh, um, another panel for. It's called Music Videos of Darkness. I think that's the um, the latest uh, they told us, and that's going to be a Saturday at five thirty. It might change or might not, but they're going to be right now. The, the talk is like playing some music videos and then talking about uh, each video. Um, oh, that's very cool! Very with cool. The crowd, which I think should be pretty fun because we we did uh, recorded a couple uh, fun videos. The, the last album we had more of like a you know uh, a lot more light hearted theme to the album, and you know the the vampire that was on the uh, the album cover, we kind of brought him to life, and we were battling him, and uh, we had a f- lot of fun with that. Uh, with that kind of thing, so it'd be neat to uh, show off those videos and uh, and talk about shooting those because we pretty much wrote and directed those and Davey edited the video, so we had a lot of hands-on with that stuff. Yeah, that's actually an excellent segue because I was going to ask you, you guys have such a huge presence on YouTube and, and so much content. Uh, was that just because you had that output? You had that desire to get that stuff out there? Was it a promotional tool? What, what was, how, how did that come about? Cause not, not every band has the, the presence and I guess the style that you guys do as far as visuals go. Well, yeah, yes to all, <laughs> yes to all of those. But basically, we're just doing, we're just having fun, and it's something that we've we've always done. I used always used to shoot videos with Dave and uh, and Bobby when we were younger, and we'd make our own home horror movies and stuff like that. So basically, that's what we're doing: just grabbing the camera and just doing it at a better quality level, and just goofing around in front of there. And people seem to enjoy what we're doing, so. Yeah, we're just putting it out, and and that's kind of how you know the, the doing our own music videos ended up being because you know we've always done that, and just by doing our own, we did some webisode um, stuff uh, for fun, and it just kind of evolved into the shooting our own music videos. And uh, yeah, anything that we you know we, we're trying to promote ourselves any way we can online, um, and anything new, we just have fun with it and just uh, explore that. So. Well, clearly you'll go on any old podcast, and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with the, so the videos were were almost kind of the same ethic as how you started doing the music is like you know what why don't we just do this ourselves just make this happen yeah I think pretty much because um, <clears throat> for a while there I mean I, I, it was just so hard to try to lock down someone to do it you know find a director find a guy with a camera find a someone to write it find all these people just you know like oh my god just take forever and then. And thank God we just, you know, we just said, oh, let's just do it. Let's just do it ourselves. And, you know, we did the first one for um, Off of Daglo Necros. It was kind of just spiraled out of there, and we just kept going with it. So Yeah, luckily our very first video we did, well, first <clears throat> professional video was with uh, Brian Polito. Um, and, uh, you know, had that was that was expensive, but it was totally worth it because, you know, he did a great job. Um, and we didn't have to do anything but to show up, which was kind of nice in hindsight. <laughs> but um, 
and and yeah, that 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 totally got you know I forget how many views it has now, but uh, as Voices of the Dead, and um, since then you know you know Brian is from um, Mischief Mischief Makers uh, Studios, but you know he's the creator of Lady Death and um, Evil right, right Chaos Comics, yeah and, Chaos Comics, yeah, and yeah. and then you know from that then he put us in his uh, his movie that uh, you know from that uh, you know the Graves, and so we got to be like the band playing in the in the background, but uh, from that you know we, we were on Sci-Fi Channel and. Uh, got on you know a bunch of other cable stations and stuff like that so now we're part of uh, horror movie history because of that so it's pretty awesome <laughs> yeah he uh he pretty much spoiled us pretty much basically yeah <laughs> yeah and we really we did it ourselves and realized oh crap no wonder it costs a lot of money <laughs> well that had to be a heck of a learning experience just just being able to to be around him and watch the process and everything i mean that that had to be pretty informative to to lead you know into you guys doing your own stuff yeah the two a true director because he was you know you know, on top of everything, telling people what to do and where to go and, and all that. Even I got yelled at at one part when I wasn't quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Can't yell at the stars? Wait, yes, you can. So you, what kind of learning curve was there when you guys did start doing your own stuff? Like, was, was the first one just, like, do you look back on the first one that you guys put together yourselves and just like, oh, boy, there's lots of ways that could have been better. <laughs> or is it kind of like, well, you know, I, that we got what we wanted and now we know stuff. How's, how, how is, how are you, I guess you're still learning. Obviously, that's an ongoing process. But are you at a point now where you're like, okay, we know what we're doing now. We just have some fine tuning to do. Yeah, I mean, um, I, well, yeah. I, I, if there's one thing I hate doing, it's um, re-listening to old songs or re-watching the videos with a, if I if I just watch it just as watching it, it's cool. I like it. But if I if I sit there and I'll just pick it apart and I'll be like, oh my god, why did we do that? I, we should have done that. I'll, even for this new record that's not even out yet, I'll listen to it and I'm like, oh my god, I should have done that. I should have done this. <laughs> and it just it, it'll just keep you up all night. So, um, but yes, you take with you take all that and yeah. Uh, you try to push it even better in the next one. So hopefully um, we're going to come out with a couple new ones for this new record, Born with the Scorpion's Touch. Not Burn with the Scorpion's Touch. <laughs> um, um, but, um, yeah, hopefully the, the new videos with this one, hopefully we'll get two or three. They'll um, be a little slicker, be more cooler, just a little more top-notch, baby. I don't know how, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I think that's something that goes along with being any kind of artist, though, is you, you work on whatever it is, whether you're painting or sculpting or making music or whatever you're doing. Like, it's, I, I think the fine-tuning never stops, and I think you have to have, and I don't know how you would even develop it, but you guys have to have a sense of when, okay, this is, we've got to release it into the wild. We, we've got to let it go, and it's it may not be done, but it's done. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it kind of was with this this album because it was the deadline. We we're like, we knew when we wanted to start the tour. We knew what you know, October first was going to be the uh, release date. So we kind of worked backwards from there and uh, just forced. With it seems like I heard too, like for creativity, if you have if it, you have an open, limitless uh, you know options and possibilities, you can't get anything done. But if you're restrained to a certain um, time frame or, or requirements, you're able to be more creative, and and uh, it's kind of like the what's that saying? The uh, necessity, mother invention. So, well, and it forces you to focus, and I think there's something to be said for focusing on your art as as opposed to just kind of meandering around and you know, oh, this is neat, that sounds really cool. Let's <laughs> keep tweaking that same chord for you know the next six months. Oh wait, we don't have a song done yet. I, that's yeah. that's got to be. 
it's, it's you're right. Uh, deadlines have, have got to be important, and, and I think that's. I mean, just showing with you guys. I mean, uh, the last album came out last year, so. When after Dayglow Necros came out, did you just hammer down and say, "Okay, we're doing another one now"? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, yeah, I think we already. Um, man, if we had the time and money for Dayglow Necros, we would. Uh, that could have been a double album. We had a uh, we had quite a lot of songs in the you know ready to go, but um, we had to cut a bunch, which moved on to this new record. And um, I guess um, I think. For us, if we just if we just stop and become like kind of lazy with not writing music, we just it just kind of like uh you know we have a new album coming out we don't we don't have to write a new one yet. But if uh, I think we've gotten to that mindset before, and then we're just like oh crap you know we need a new album we don't have nothing to do you know so um, we just keep writing I think we just keep writing and you know and just in the back of your head you have to have songs just keep it going you know don't become lazy about it and just keep practicing and. So, you know, I'm not, yeah, now I forgot what the original question was. <laughs> and now I think, I, I, think the new, I think the new goal too for us is we're going to try to keep doing an album a year. And, uh, because we, like Bob said, we, uh, I think it was after Vampire Show. We we're so happy with that one. We we're like just, uh, it was a few years after we even decided to start writing. And Bobby's like, okay, guys, we gotta, <laughs> gotta just stop playing shows and start writing some new songs and, and get moving. But, uh, well, and that's, that's yeah. got to provide a momentum too. Like when you've got new material, that's got to be kind of exciting and compel you to, to, to work harder and to get out there and play more. And to, like, it's, it's kind of all got to perpetuate. Yeah. It's, it's oh, like yeah. there, there's songs burning in your pocket and you're like, okay, we gotta, we want people to hear this. So we want to, you know, get it going, finish these songs and get enough of them so we can go in the studio again. And as far as like five years from now, what do you guys, see yourselves doing obviously you'll have five more albums out by that time <laughs> should be yeah <laughs> all goes the plan we'd have five more uh, um but i mean what what is your what's your guys ultimate goal i mean obviously you love the music obviously you put a lot into the music uh and and the music landscape being a band now is very different now that labels have essentially been taken out of the equation uh i think to a certain extent bands can be kind of as big as they want to be or as far reaching as they want to be what with you know the internet is basically replaced label you guys can reach anybody from louisiana to canada to you know russia to wherever with your music now what what is your what's your scheme what what is your your reach you think yeah well hopefully five years the plan well right now we're getting more serious about touring more and getting out there because that's what we love we love playing in front of people and meeting the fans excuse me because basically our fans have become our friends and it's like you know it's it's awesome to be out there and and meet people that uh you've been talking to for years online and and go and see them and create these relationships but within five years you know we want to be playing at bigger venues and and playing with bigger bands and and having a bigger reach and and i can see us too like doing movies because we love doing all you know we have our comic book that we we did we want to you know hopefully in five years we'll have um you know more more issues of our comic and you know just other uh, movies and and just stuff we seems like we are tentacles we want to wrap that around a lot more of the world and uh i don't know basically do anything that seems like fun that we want to do and that uh you know people will will pay us to do too (laughs) that helps yeah it's awesome to know that you guys are going to be touring some more because after uh 
After 2009, I went and downloaded everything that was out at that point, which I think was everything up to Traveling Vampire Show. And I was like, okay, well, they were out here for Dragon Con. And I, I didn't know where you guys were from or anything <laughs> at all. And I was like, okay, they were out here for Dragon Con. Let me go look and see when they'll come back. And I went to the website. And all of the tour dates that were up at that time, which I don't remember exactly when that was. It was before They Call Us Death came out. But all the way, all the show dates were like, Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenix. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> These guys are a West Coast band, and apparently I'm not going to get to see them live. Uh, oh, no. What's going on here? And it, was, it wasn't it was until last year that I got to see you guys again. So I think it's really cool if you're, if you're getting to spread across the country and bring your show to more places because, you know, as, as much as I love the music, the live show is an important aspect of what you guys do, uh, definitely. We also have a booking agent um, for Europe, so we're going to try to hit do more Europe. We've done Germany and Italy before but uh that was just a few times so we got to get out there and, and hit more of our fans out there because we sell a lot merchandise to germany and overseas so uh we know we have a fan base out there so we just gotta reach out and touch someone <laughs> and you had uh <laughs> you i'm sure at dragon con you will touch and be touched by many people <laughs> Uh, you mentioned the comic book. How did the how did the comic book come to be? Because that's that's got to be a whole other. I mean, you guys have got the music. You guys are putting together videos, and now you decided you're going to publish. Well, it's, you have already published uh, one issue. How, how did how did that happen? And what made you make the insane decision to self publish a comic? Because that that is you guys pretty much put that together yourself, didn't you? Yeah, we uh, we played a show in Tucson. This is a little Kella history for you. We played a show in Tucson, and uh, we got approached by uh, Dave Baker and an Eric Esquivel, who um, are in the currently, you know, they're doing their own comic book things. And um, but they uh, they approached us and they asked us if they wanted if they could, you know, help us do a comic. And we were like, "What are you serious? Like for real? Like a comic?" And then you know they brought their portfolio and all their art, and they're like, "Oh man, you guys are for real. You're like the real deal. <laughs> all right, let's do it." So yeah, we just um, you know talked back and forth with them and. And um, they made a script, and they drew it up and helped us did it. And, you know, we put in our little say, a little Calibri's touches, and, and then, you know, we just printed it up. It was um pretty long process, so <laughs> for one single sneaking issue. But um, I think it was definitely worth it. I mean, just the time and money, it's kind of hard to, you know, it's it's a it's insane how comic book companies can even do that, you know, weekly or monthly. So it's like, you know, sometime down the road, maybe in the next 10 years, we'll have issue two come out and then uh, <laughs> it could wrap it up. Well, and that's, I mean, it's a monster self-publishing because that, that's the comic book industry as a whole other podcast, much like 80s wrestling is. But, uh, yeah, yeah we actually we have I, a, a second, um, we got the script for the second issue already, but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, uh, yeah, we just don't have the funding yet, but we'll eventually get that. Because, yeah, we didn't realize how much that cost with, you know, first penciling and then inking and then coloring and then. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Then, then manufacturing it and then, uh, and even the place that we normally print those up, they, they closed down. So we got to find a new, uh, a new place to get those printed. So. Yeah, you, you guys seem more than willing. You guys seem more than willing to endure uh, a higher number of headaches than many people would. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could put it that way. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we just, and you know what? Oh, I was just gonna say, oh, we, go had, um, uh, we just that that burning desire that 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 desire to be like Kiss and just have comic books and coffins and lunch boxes and, and you know dolls and all this stuff. We just we just want it so bad, and one day we're gonna get action figures. Mark my words, my friend. I don't know how, but. Dude, I, I, 
I will be first in line to pre-order some Calibri's action figures. Whether now, okay, that's an excellent way to kind of wrap this up a little bit, since that my the bulk of my writing and stuff is about toys and action figures. Um, if you guys could have your dream action figures, Ooh. but you could only have them in one style, would you go for Mego style? Would you go for late '90s, early 2000s Todd McFarlane detail heavy style? Or would you go for a more uh, generic kind of six-inch, really well-articulated, but maybe not as detailed style? Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) But, oh, how about this? Um, What about, maybe I'd want to do something more of like the uh, monster in my pocket kind of uh, mini rubber guys. uh, Oh, yeah. What was those? What's the other ones called? Dine, dine the core? muscles. Yeah, well, yeah, muscles too, and then also like the dine, dine thing. They used to be like little rubber, like almost like erasers, but they had like monsters oh, and robots yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Dine oh, core or something yeah. like that. I didn't even know those had a name. I just remember buying them from the school supply store when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, that'd be neat to have those those yeah. kind of little little versions of us, different colors, and or even like the, the yeah. That's doable, though. I mean, people are doing Kickstarters for that kind of stuff. That's like, that could happen if you guys are willing to take on another headache. <laughs> cool. Oh, you know yeah. what I left yeah. out? Oh. I left out three and three quarter inch G.I. Joe sized with like a tour bus and a stage. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. That's exactly, I was going to say, yeah, the Star Wars size, that just the original Star Wars, that perfect handheld in your, you could put in your back pocket like Dennis the Menace and walk around, you know, with your little toy. But, um, that would be awesome. And then you get the, um, you get other, mul- you know, just like George Lucas, you can, you get the fans, so you have multiple fans. You go buy the toys of the fans, buy the bus, buy the st- oh my god, it's endless. You're genius. You'd have all the accessories. You'd have the uh, the space helmet and the uh, the Elvis cape. <laughs> I mean, it would just all be the stuff. It would be over the top. We, that would be fantastic. We have, I'm. We'd have I'm going to be looking for that. Cut with with you in it. You could be a little figure too. Absolutely. That's <laughs> this is this is happening. Done deal. You guys heard it here first. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on the Needless Things podcast. You really were, uh, when I first started doing these, you, you were on my short list of I've got to get these guys on. Uh, and it's, it's been really awesome talking to you. Now is the time where you plug everything. Dragon Con, <laughs> the YouTube site, you guys stuff, the new album, go for it. New record coming out. That's basically pretty much the entire basis of, of all of everything you pre-order now. Calibreesrock.com, Um Buy the pre-order. It's uh, very limited, but it will be out officially on October 1st. And then right after that, or during that time, um, in August, we will be touring, kicking it off pretty much in Dragon Con. And um, basically come out, hang with us, uh, see the show, buy some stuff. Let's do it. Yeah, that's thank you. That's where you go. Go to <clears throat> for those who just haven't don't know the spelling. It's basically the real way of saying it, it's calabrese with an extra e at the end. You put your hand in the air like in your Italian mobster, like telling someone this is their their last goodbye. But uh, calabresrock.com, calabreserock.com. You go there, give us your sign up for the mailing list. Everything we're always giving updates every month. Go there. That's where you want to be. Um, and check out everything we're doing. And, uh, yeah, and let us know. Say hi to us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you know, we're doing all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we answer our emails. And uh, we love hearing from people. And, you know, we got some of the best fans. And hopefully you'll be a new fan, too, listener, who's sitting there listening to this right now. But, um, yeah, thanks again, uh 
Phantom, we you know you have an awesome awesome podcast, and you had some great questions for us. A lot of times, it's just you know cookie cutter um, questions, and we really appreciate when it's uh, you know someone took some time and and what they asked us. So, thank you. Hey, that's what I do, man. And I want to remember, uh, remind every single one of you guys that hears this, uh, Calabrese, Calabrese at Dragon Con. Uh, they're going to have a merch table and these guys have some of the coolest t-shirts you've ever seen in your life. Uh, I still need to get the Castlevania one. Uh, and there's oh, also yeah. the work shirt, which is the band uniform, a must have. And they're going to be playing live in the Marriott Atrium Ballroom, 1.30 Monday morning. That's after midnight on Sunday. They're going to be there. All of the DCW hooligans are going to be there. And I'm going to be there. And I'm going to give these guys an introduction like no band at Dragon Con has ever had before. <laughs> I want to thank you guys so much. And I will see you in just a few days at Dragon Con. Thanks, thank man. you, Phantom Rocker. Appreciate it. We are the undead. Immortal.
Wow, this is not something, this is not a term I'll use all that often, but that was some hot stuff. Uh, I love those guys, I love their music. Uh, just a, just a super swell bunch of guys who are making some great horror rock. Be sure you go and check them out Monday morning, 1.30, uh, at DragonCon. Speaking of DragonCon, I've got to plug AtlantaShirts.com. They are whipping up some badass t-shirts for the DCW Hooligans this year. We will be sporting them at DragonCon Wrestling, Friday night, 7 p.m., the Hyatt Centennial Ballroom. Come out, see some of the best indie wrestlers around, putting their lives on the line for your entertainment. Seriously, you guys, this is bigger than WrestleMania for me and the hooligans. Uh, we love it, and it's just an amazing show. Definitely one of the high points of the con. And then I also, it would be remiss of me to not mention Mr. Bo Brown's Late Night Puppet Slam, uh, which is Sunday night at midnight. Uh, that is the filthiest puppet show you'll ever see. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it's it's going to be definitely, if you haven't checked it out before, or even if you have, you need to get out to the Puppet Slam as well. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on this weekend. And like I said, go to needlessthingssite.com and you can see everything that's going on. Uh, I'll have a full schedule up. This weekend, or uh, this week, last week, and next week, all Dragon Con, all the time. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Calibries, thanks for coming on. Dragon Con, thanks for existing. And uh, I'll talk to you guys probably in about a month. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. iTunes, Stitcher, check it out. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.